As we continue to preach through this wonderful letter of Paul's to the Romans. And it's important for us to remember that chapter 13 is just a continuation of chapter 12. That everything that Paul said in the first two verses of chapter 12 carry on through the rest of the chapter, to the rest of the book. Uh, in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he said, Therefore I exhort you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, living, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, once again, we reminded that Paul, when he says, by the mercies of God, is referring to everything he said from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 11. And, and Paul talks there about the depravity of man, the depths of our sin, and how uh, we, we rejected God and we, we rebelled against God, and how God in His love and mercy sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins, to call His people to Himself. And chapter 8, Paul talks about how there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ, about how we are more than conquerors in Christ, and, and all of these things. So Paul says, remember all of that, and as a result of that, as a result of everything God has done for you, the only reasonable thing you can do, he says, is present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then in verse 2 he says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove the will, what the will of God is, that which is good and pleasing and perfect. We, we, we live in a world that wants to squeeze us into its mold. If you watch any television at all, every single commercial is trying to squeeze us into the mold of the world. Not just the commercials, but every movie, every TV show, everything. Even the music we listen to. So Paul says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed. We are transformed by the renewing of our mind as we stay in the Word of God. And last week, uh, we talked about how Paul said that we are not to take vengeance against those who oppose us, that God is the one who will repay. Let me ask you a question. <clears throat> Would you, as a loyal American citizen, take up arms against a tyrannical government here in this country? Would you do that? Yeah. Well, hopefully when I finish this Bible passage, you will say, no, I wouldn't do that. Because that is not biblical. Yeah, it got me too. I got to tell you something. As I've studied this, this chapter all this week and I've prepared this message, I was convicted to no end. I would get up and I would walk around and say, no, God, that can't be right. God, that can't be right. And God says, that's what my word says, doesn't it? I was convicted by this. Chapter 13, you see, relates back to what Paul said in chapter 12, beginning with verse 17. Read this with me. Chapter 12, verse 17. He says, never paying back evil to e for evil to anyone, respecting what is good in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with, in, be at peace with all men. Never taking your own revenge, beloved. 
Instead, leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. In so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And then he says, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. Now, we all love our government, right? No? Well, I'm glad he didn't say we were to love them. <laughs> he just said we're to be in subjection. You see, the reason that we can avoid vengeance is not only because God will execute perfect justice in the future, but also because God has appointed government as the institution to carry out judgment in this present age. He says there in verse 13, uh, chapter 13, verse 1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. You know why? For there is no authority except from God. And those which exist have been appointed by God. Now that's hard for me to take. When I look at what's going on in the government of my country, and Paul says, do you know why that's going on? Do you know why he's president? Do you know why she's secretary of state? Do you know why all these positions have who they have? Because God appointed them. You understand that? Listen, I want to, let me say this right up front, okay? When we rebel and criticize and murmur against our government, we are rebelling and criticizing and murmuring against God himself. Because he is the one who put them in place. I don't like that. I want to criticize them that I don't like. But Paul says that we cannot do this. This is not a very popular idea today. Why is civil obedience and respecting officials today in our corrupt government so... Why, why do we rebel against that? Because of sin. Because uh, re rebellion against God-given authority is as old as the Garden of Eden. Listen, we don't even want God telling us what to do. But we must remember that Paul was not writing this in a perfect political climate. You think our government's bad? You should have lived during the time of Paul. Under the Roman government with Nero. Nero was a vicious man. Nero was one of the most vicious persecutors of the church that the church has ever seen. And yet in the midst of this, Paul says, let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist have been appointed by God. This is God's word. We are to obey God's word. And this passage doesn't answer all of our questions related to uh, government. I mean, we're only going to cover seven verses. But it gives us some general truths that are important about how God has instituted the governing authorities for our good and how we are to relate to the government. See, this is what Paul has done in chapter 12, chapter 13, and he will do through the rest of the book. He says, you present your, your bodies a living sacrifice because of what God has done for you. And this is what that looks like. 
And he talks about how we love one another, about how we show love to one another, about how we show love to our enemies, about how we are to do good to our enemies. And it continues right on. Paul says, do you want to be a good, faithful Christian? He said, then be a good, faithful citizen. But how do we do this? How do, Christian, how do we who are citizens of heaven live as citizens on earth? Paul says everyone is called to submit to governing authorities. Now, authorities may refer to any person that represents the authority of the state. Whether it's a police officer, whether it's a mayor, whether it's a governor, whether it's a senator, whether it's a congressman, whether it's the president. It doesn't matter who they are. To submit simply means to obey. And the, the, they exist, Paul says, under the authority of God. Let me read to you a few verses. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, <clears throat> 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1, 1 through 3, Paul says, First of all, then, I exhort that petitions and prayers, requests and thanksgivings be made for all men, for kings, and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. In Titus chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Hang on, I'll get there in a minute. But know this. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong book. Titus chapter 3. Paul says, Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to slander no one. You know what that word no one actually means? It means no one. To be peaceable, considerate, demonstrating all gentleness to all men. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, despicable, uh, despicable hating one another. 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter follows right along with what Paul is saying in chapter 2 verse 13. Be subject for the sake of the Lord to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do good. For such is the will of God that by doing good, you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. Now, here's the thing right here. Here's the whole point right here, folks. Here's what Paul is saying. He's saying, be obedient to God. That's what this all comes down to. He says, when you are obedient to the, the government and to the authorities that God has put in place, you're being obedient to God. Now, are there times that we should be disobedient? Yes, there are. And we will get to that here in a minute. But we are to obey the civil authorities. Ultimately, we, we do not obey and, and reverence civil authorities because of who they are. We do it because we do it out of reverence and submission to God himself. All right. Now, some people have argued that Paul's uh, sweeping demand to submit to uh, the governing authorities justifies the actions of evil rulers. 
And you and I must understand. You see, here's the thing. How many of you understand this morning that you personally will one day stand before a holy God and give an account for your life? So will they. You know why? You know why I will? Because I'm a servant of God. You know why they will? Because they're servants of God. Because they have been appointed by God. And so Paul, his, his whole thing is here, he's saying, look, one of the uh, hallmarks of presenting your body a living sacrifice, of completely giving yourself to God, is that you will obey even those you don't think deserve it. But it's not about whether they deserve. All right? Now, as I said, however, we are to engage in civil disobedience when the government present pre Anytime the government prevents us from doing what God commands us to do, or any time that the government commands us to do what God has told us not to do, we have the, do, we have the, the, the biblical mandate to disobey that. In Acts 5.29, Peter and the disciples, they were going around, they were preaching, they were gathering together as a church, and, and the, the, the authorities said, you have got to stop doing this. We demand that you stop preaching the gospel. We, we demand you stop speaking the name of Jesus. We demand you stop meeting together. And Peter said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now, you know what comes to my mind immediately when I think of this is, it is something that occurred a few years ago when the government demanded we shut down our churches. And there were some great men like John MacArthur, um, Tim Stevens in Canada. They said, no, we will not do this. And they cited the biblical mandate. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Unless... No, it doesn't say that. That word unless is not there. It says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. See, here's the thing we have to understand. The government has authority, but the government is not the one that decides what their authority is. God does. And so whenever we are commanded by the government to do something, the Bible uh, strictly forbids we say, no, we will not obey this. Whenever the, uh, the government tells us not to do something that God has told us to do, we are to step back and say, no, we will not obey this. Because we ought to obey God rather than men. But you see, th th this is what Paul, this is the what of this passage. Verses 1, we're going to read all the way through verse 7 in chapter 13. But this is the what. Paul says, be obedient for the Lord's sake. But then he talks about the why. He says in verse 1, <clears throat> For there is no authority except from God, and those which exist have been appointed by God. Therefore, whoever... Okay, listen, if you have a pen or a highlighter, you need to highlight or underline what I'm about to read. Whoever resists that authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause for fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of that authority, Paul says? Then do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. 
For it does not bear the sword in vain, for it is minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath on all, on the one who practices evil. Therefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of the wrath, but also because of conscience. So Paul tells us now the why of this. We submit to governing authorities because God has instituted governing authorities. God sets up kings. God removes kings. The book of Proverbs talks about how uh, the, the matter is in the king's heart, but his life is in God's hand. God is the one who moves, uh, you know, like, like you might look at it like a chessboard. It is God who moves the kings and everything exactly where he wants them to be. And, and we, do, we, do we believe that? Do you believe that God does this? Because this makes all the difference because sometimes God gives authority uh, as a blessing to the people and sometimes he institutes them as a means of judgment. I think about Israel. They were in rebellion against God. They, they were full of idolatry. They were worshiping other gods. God had warned them time after time after time. And then God sent one of the most wicked rulers on earth at that time, a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, and he conquered Israel for 70 years because of their unbelief. You know where Nebuchadnezzar came from? He came from God. Pharaoh, during the time of the, of, of the exodus out of Egypt, when Moses stood before Pharaoh, and God says, I raised you up. I am the one who put Pharaoh in power. I am the one who caused Pharaoh to do what he did. So you see, we understand that God sets up rulers, and, and he, do, he sets some up that are good and that they, they, they are a blessing to the people, but others are sent to them as a means of judgment. I'm reminded of something John Calvin said one time. He said, whenever God wants to judge a nation, he gives them wicked rulers. So we need to remember that. But you see, unfortunately, many believers cannot see past the earthly government to the government of God. They can't see that far. You know why? We don't trust the providence of God. We give lip service to it. You know, I, I look at my life and I say, you know, uh, all these good that come comes from the hand of God. It's because God has ordained my life and the, the trials and tribulations that come into my life are ordained by God to make me more like Christ. But then I look at a wicked and corrupt government and say, well, that can't possibly come. God, do you have any idea what they're doing up there? Do you, do you understand what's going on? You know, I think sometimes we look and we think God is standing up there in heaven and saying, did you hear what that president said? Now what am I going to do? Did you see what that government did? Now what am I going to do? You think God does that? No. God knows what they're doing. It is, we live, we must believe in the providence of God, that God is sovereign, that God is in control. Paul points out that earthly authorities are working out the purposes of God. Now, I want to tell you something, folks. Armed rebellion against our government is sin. In 1 Samuel, <clears throat> it says rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Do you read anywhere in the book of Acts or Paul's letters or John's letters or Peter's letters 
as they were living under the oppressive rule of the Roman Empire, under the oppressive rule of these, these terrible Caesars that they were under, and where anywhere where Paul says, now look, brothers, take up arms and let's go get the government. Let's go take down the Roman Empire. You ever read that? No. In the midst of the persecution, you know what Paul said? He said, be in subjection to the ruling authorities. Because they are ministers of God. I don't understand that. Do you? I'm going to admit you, but honestly, I don't understand how Paul could do that. But not one time does, does any of these. Now, you know, I, here's something that convicted me during this. I mean, you all know I carry a gun everywhere I go. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. If our government passed a law tomorrow that it was against the law for me to have a gun, I'm fixing to hand it over to them. You know why? Because that's what the Word of God says I'm to do. Now, tomorrow, if the government tells me, you can't meet as a church anymore, that's when I'm going to stand up and say, no, not going to do that. Because we ought to obey God rather than men. We must be in subjection to these. Paul didn't say, go fight. Paul said, go do good. Go do good. Too often we complain about our current situation rather than, you know what, Paul, did you read those, you know those passages I read in, in, in Titus and Peter and Timothy? Did you notice that all three of them had something in common? Pray for those in authority. Now look, I told you I was convicted by this. There's probably nobody in here that dislikes or has said more bad things about our president than I have. And I'm going to tell you something. I had to repent of that and ask God to forgive me. Because I am murmuring against God himself. I don't understand what's going on. But here's the thing. I don't have to understand. Now, God has given us the means. You know, we as Americans... We have some special privileges that others don't have. We can vote, and we should vote. But you realize that one of our most basic and treasured rights as Americans is also one that will probably ultimately be our downfall. You know what it is? The freedom of speech. Hey, Go to North Korea, stand in the public square, speak out against the president. Is that what he is? The president of North Korea. Yeah. See how long before you have a bullet through your head. Go to Russia. Go to Iran and stand in the public square and preach about Jesus Christ and condemn the government for how they reject him. And you'll be dead. But you see, we have the right, we have this sight that we can stand and we can, we can stand in the public square. And, you know, if you watch any kind of news program at all, and you know there's only two kind. Those that are wrong and those that are wrong. I don't care which side of the aisle you're on. Listen, did you know that those on one side... Who say they love God. And let me tell you what these two, what our two party system does. We have a party that openly rebels against God, and they don't care that we know it. We have another party 
It talks about how much they love God and they want, they want your support and all this. You may tell you what they're doing. They are learning what these over here haven't yet, that you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. I want to tell you one side is just as sinful as the other side. But both sides are servants of God. God has ordained them. And they will give an account when it comes down to it. So Paul did not say anywhere, go fight your oppressive government. Fight for your rights. Because you realize, folks, that as believers, we are, we are slaves of Jesus Christ. Do you know what rights a slave has? None. None. So Paul says, be in subjection to them because of God. And Paul adds that the authorities have the right to punish evildoers. He says they don't bear the sword in vain. You see, what they're supposed to do, and what many of them do, is punish evildoers. Can you imagine where we would be? If this whole defund the police thing was to ever really go by. You mean, you, can you imagine where we would be without our police officers? Can you imagine where we would be if it were not for, and there, believe me, there are some out there. These good judges that sit up there and punish those that do wrong. And Paul, God, Paul says, that's why God set them up. Now listen, folks, here's the thing. When they disobey God and they are not fulfilling what God called them to do, it's not my place to condemn them. That's God's place. You know why? Because He's the one that put them in place, not me. And this is hard for us to understand. It's hard for us to take. And we must understand that Paul says we are to be in submission. They, are, they don't uh, bear the sword in vain. In verse 5, Paul summarizes this whole argument. Therefore, it is necessary, he says, to be in subjection. Not only because of the wrath, but because of conscience. Since we know that God ordains the government, we should submit and do good. The judgment and the wrath of the government upon evildoers anticipates and foreshadows God's judgment and God's wrath upon this evil world in the day of the Lord. Our conscience confirms that God has established it and we should walk in alignment with His good design for His glory. So we've seen the what. We are to be a submission. We've seen the why. Because God has ordained them. Now we see the how in verse 6 and 7. He says, For because of this you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them. Tax to whom tax is due. Custom to whom custom. And fear to whom fear. And honor to whom honor. Paul gives some practical ways for us to live out this ethic in our life. We see here two ways to keep a good conscience and submit to authorities. Now, I almost, as I was preparing my notes for this, said, you know what, I don't even need to bring this up because of all the things in this message, this is the one thing everybody loves to do and nobody has a problem with. You know what that is? Pay taxes. Now, I'm being sarcastic. Listen, under Nero, his taxes were very unpopular. 
And Paul said, why should I pay taxes against the government that's trying to kill me? Is that what he said? He, no, he didn't say that. He said, pay your tax. Give uh, tax to whom it's due, custom to whom it's due, fear to whom it's due, honor to whom it's due. When Jesus in Mark chapter 12, they were trying to, chap, to, to trap him, the religious leaders, and they come and said, Tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? And he says, do you have a coin? They handed him a coin. He said, whose picture is this? Now, I think it's, you realize what an insult that was to Caesar? Because everybody knew whose, whose inscription that was. But he said, who is this? And they said, that's Caesar. And he said, then give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And give to God what belongs to God. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. And, and, you know, Cindy and I just finished doing our taxes. And we got back. Let me rephrase that. We found out. I don't want you to misunderstand what we have to pay. And I'm telling you, I was livid. I mean, I was just, I haven't been that mad in a long time. I didn't cuss or anything, but I was mad. And then I realized what it was I was mad about. Okay? Now I'm going to say this, and you may not understand what I'm going to say at first. It's only money. You realize that? It's only money. And I can worship that or not. Paul, Jesus said, Give to Caesar that which belongs to Caesar. And Paul reminds us that the reason we do this is because they are God's servants. He says we are to honor leaders. We are to respect the office even if we disagree with the leader. You go through the Old Testament. You know, when Joseph stood before Pharaoh, Joseph was a man of God. Pharaoh was an evil man. And Joseph looked at Pharaoh and said, O king, live forever. When Daniel stood before Nebuchadnezzar, he said, O king, live forever. They showed respect to these evil men, even though they knew who they were evil men. But it wasn't them they were respecting. It was their office they respected. And we have to learn to do the same. And so when we do this, we, we understand we are to honor our leaders. And Paul says that we are to do this for the Lord's sake. We should have a respectful attitude toward leaders because they are fulfilling God's desire or God's design. You know, I, I, I think throughout this entire letter to the Romans, this is the message I didn't want to preach. This is the message that convicted me more than any other that I have preached in this, in this series. This, this is like... I think this is sermon number 46 or 47 in the book of Romans. And this is the one that has got me more than any other because I've been guilty of it. And Paul is saying, stop it. Remember who you are. You are not a citizen of this world. You're a citizen of heaven. So then how do we who are citizens of heaven live as residents in Rome? Submit to the governing authorities. Acknowledge God's design for them. Pray for those in leadership. 
There should be more praying, less criticizing. And by the way, let me just point out something that it's very simple. Maybe you've missed. Would you like to see our governing officials be more godlike? Then just keep criticizing them and eventually they'll change, right? No. You pray for them and they can. Criticizing them will never change a thing. But praying for them can change everything. That's why they, Paul, Peter, and him kept saying, pray, pray, pray for those in authority. We are to be good citizens. Pay our taxes. Obey the law. Be respectful. We need to calm down and trust the providence of God. I want to tell you folks, soon there's only going to be a one-party kingdom. And it will be the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he's a righteous ruler. I want to tell you something. The Bible tells us that he will rule with a rod of iron. You know what that means? That means it'll be his way or no way. But he has a right to do that. You know why? He's the creator. Jesus is God. And someday his kingdom will be established on this earth. And, and, and we, we must today learn. Jesus said, he who is faithful in little will be faithful in much. Are we going to be obedient to those we don't like? Are we going to be obedient to those that, we, we, that, that oppress us and persecute us and just beat us down, take all of our money and all of this? Then one day we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to be in submission to His government. King Jesus. Kings and kingdoms will fade away, but the kingdom of Christ will endure. Listen, folks. You look at this and you say, how do I do that? How do I fight this sinful rebellion in my heart? And there's only one way. You do it by being in submission. If you want to be in submission to the government, you first got to be in submission to God. You know, the Bible says that we are to submit to one another. Do you know that I will never submit to you until I am submission to God? You will never submit to me until I am in, you are in submission to God. And we will never be in submission to those who are in authority over us until we are in submission to the one who is ultimately authority. We need to repent and be in submission and obedience to God's word by being submissive to our governing authorities. Because, folks, I want to tell you, our God is sovereign. He is in control, not us. Those folks in Washington think they're in control, but they're not. Folks in the United Nations think they can control, but they can't. They can only do what our God, who is sovereign, allows them to do. And we look and we say, how could God possibly let our government do this to us? I'm sure Israel asked the same thing about Nebuchadnezzar. And God was more than happy to tell them. 
It's because of your rebellion and your disobedience. Do you believe this morning that God is in control? Do you believe this morning that God is sovereign? Then let's act like it. Let's pray. Father, Lord, as we come together this morning, we have all been so guilty, Lord, of rebelling against your God-given authority in this world. Lord, we don't understand everything that goes on. We don't like anything that goes on. But Father, you've never asked us to understand it or like it. You've just simply asked us to trust you. So Father, may we begin this morning to submit ourselves unto your authority. As our great God and King. And Father, that we might learn to be in submission to those you have placed over us. Well, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and turn to pay to him 129. Crown him with many crowns. Let's